0: Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University.
1: Welcome to Slavery and Its Legacies, a podcast of the Gilder Lehrman Center for the Study of Slavery, Resistance, and Abolition.
0: This legacy of, of slavery and lynching and segregation, our history of racial
2: injustice. In interviewing all of these migrant workers, nobody talked about their experiences and the kind of extreme victimizing language that the policy required. As I got to college and I started studying history, I was really interested in sort of figuring out or learning more about Jamaican history and couldn't really figure out how to access Jamaican history. And I had a really growing investment in the lives of women workers who had left sex work to become jewelry makers.
1: Slavery and Its Legacies interviews visiting scholars, activists, and others about their contributions to the understanding of slavery, past and present, and its ongoing role in the development of the modern world.
2: Hello, my name is Marcela Echeverry, Assistant Professor of Latin American History at Yale. On behalf of the Gilder-Lerman Center, I'm here with Professor Alejandro Gomez, who is on the Faculty for Latin American History at the Sorbonne Nouvelle Paris III. Alejandro earned his doctorate in 2010 from the School of Advanced Studies and Social Sciences in Paris. His dissertation, which he completed in 2010 on the impact, Atlantic Impact of the Haitian Revolution, has received multiple awards, including the annual prize from the Committee for the Memory of Slavery, for having advanced the history of slavery, and the award for best doctoral dissertation from the Institute of the Americas in France. His book, The Specter of the Black Revolution, the Impact of the Haitian Revolution in the Atlantic World, 1790 to 1886, was published in 2013 by the University Presses of Rennes. Alejandro is currently a visiting fellow at the Gilder Lerman Center for one month, where he was has been working on a new research project about attitudes towards subaltern sectors in the Spanish Atlantic, especially anti-slavery sentiments and citizenship rights for free-colored and indigenous people. Alejandro, it's a real pleasure speaking with you today.
0: Thank you for having me.
2: Well, to start off, can you tell us something about how you became interested in researching this topic of social and racial questions associated with the revolutionary in the Caribbean, Latin America, and the Atlantic world?
0: Okay, yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, as you know, I am originally from, from Venezuela, and uh, the Venezuelan historiography is, uh, turns its, its back to the Caribbean. It's mostly a, a continental historiography. Uh, they decide to, to prefer to follow the the horse of Bolivar towards the, uh, the South America. And uh, when you look, when you go to the Venezuelan archives, you realize that uh, there are so many connections to the Caribbean. It's like if Venezuela was, was another island. So I was very lucky because in my early years as undergraduate, I. Um, I had as mentor a uh, professor at the Universidad Central de Venezuela, Professor Ramonis Pura, who introduced me to this geography of of the of the Caribbean. And that was a boulevard for me because I uh, ever since I began working uh, subjects related to other cultural regions in the Caribbean such as uh, uh, Martinique. Uh, uh, my first book is about the circulation of uh, of royalists, French royalists in the Spanish Caribbean. And then I make a comparison between the political attitudes of uh, free colored elites in, in Martinique uh, and Venezuela. And uh, and then the, the the uh, the doctoral dissertation to just follow that path, and I've uh, always uh, been fascinated by the a- Asian Revolution, so I decided to, or the impact of the Asian Revolution, so I decided to m- enlarge the scaleless analysis so I, ca- I could uh, include also the antebellum south. So in my doctoral dissertation, I include uh, Virginia, Jamaica, Cuba, and of course, the Spanish mainland uh, in a study of uh, the emotional impact of the Asian Revolution. so uh, uh, well, that will be mostly my, uh, my interest in that.
2: So let's get started with uh, expanding a little bit on this question of the emotional impact, which I, I'm sure uh, people will want to know more about.
0: OK, uh, yeah, uh, of course. Well, uh, my, uh, my approach in this case will be uh, an, uh, uh, a transdisciplinary approach because i use uh, tools uh, uh analytical tools i borrow from especially from the social psychology and uh but also from the from the cognitive sciences and uh social uh, cognitive uh, uh sociology and uh so i not just study uh, my interest in not studying just uh, ideologies, but also how these emotions affect ideologies, and also other more basic reactions of peoples. For instance, uh, uh, in in the different in the sources, what I'm looking for uh, uh, is uh, we, when we talk about fear, the reactions of fear vis-a-vis the Asian Revolution. There, there will be. Uh, Panic reaction in certain places whenever there is a uh, rumors or 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 uh, 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 or slave rebellion they can associate with the, what's going on in Saint Domingue in the late 1790s, but uh, there are other more uh, more uh, other reactions which are harder to find uh, because they are not obvious. It just doesn't just show up in the sources. And uh, what I what I do is uh, try to identify in those reactions the the existence of, uh, of uh, what the French historian Jean de Lumont calls uh, uh, an ambience or a climate of insecurity, which has always existed in slave societies because the, the elites and masters have always been afraid of slave rebellions. Slavery has been taking place in the Americas ever since uh, Cologne arrived to the New World. And, uh, but now that uh, they realize that, because they had always been able to control the slave rebellions but mm-hmm. after the rebellion of 1791, everything changes. Mm-hmm. So uh, there is uh, there is an ad- a change of attitude vis-a-vis the, the slaves and the sweltered sectors, not only in the Caribbean, but also throughout the Atlantic, the colonial Atlantic world.
2: This is very interesting, and of course, because you are combining, and one of the contributions of your work definitely is to combine the approach to revolution and to abolitionism in the Atlantic world. Mm-hmm. What other types of sentiments would you say uh, exist among people, like maybe hope, maybe fraternity? I mean, do you look at more positive uh, sentiments aside from fear?
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, of course, because uh, there is a a support uh, besides the, the reactions of the, there's a large uh, literary, pr- uh, uh, a large uh, scholarly production on, on, on the reactions of slaves and free coloreds uh, because of what was going on in Saint-Domingue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, slaves were encouraged uh, in the 1790s to react uh, uh, because of what the, the blacks and the free colors were doing in, in, in San, not only in Santo but also uh, in Guadeloupe, uh, in the island of Guadeloupe. Uh, but yes, in the case of uh, uh, abolitionists, for instance, you, it's very clear that in for instance in the debates in in Britain and the debates in Spain and also at the Cortes uh, during the Spanish American revolutions and the and the uh, autonomous assemblies and the independent assemblies once the the countries in Spanish America or many countries in Spanish America declared Independence that uh, the uh, many pro-slavery advocates were using Sandomang as uh, as a menace to slave owners so like telling them that that that's going to happen to you uh, if you don't uh, emancipate your slaves but there were there were also a lot of, uh, of positive emotions involved here because they they really admire what the uh, uh, the the Asians of African descent were doing in in, in Haiti, uh, one, uh, what they and also what they had accomplished, but at the same time they were they were they had to negotiate because, uh, uh, for instance, in the British Parliament, uh, the uh, the abolitionists at a certain moment had to had to decide between uh, general emancipation, abolition, and slave trade, uh, and uh, also uh, they were not. Uh, some of them were not that enthusiastic about uh, immediate abolitionism, so uh, they were also sort of uh, a little concerned as well because of what had happened in Saint Domingue. So the the idea of gradual ab- abolitionism uh, solidified; it became stronger even amongst abolitionists. Mm.
2: And so another point related to this concept of social social racial otherness or social racial as a concept how, I mean, do you tie the emotions to these social racial positions? Is there any connection that you could find intrinsically or how do they play out historically?
0: Well, first of all, uh, well, I use uh, uh, the term racial, even though, as we know, race doesn't exist, Uh, uh, in order to try to understand these societies which which were uh, very much racialized. So, and uh, and also uh, there were... were, uh, uh, Ancien régime uh, societies, uh, structured by not by classes or, or or colors, but also by by status. So uh, I then use uh, the term uh, social racial. Uh, to explain the, the, to try to to, to approach, uh, to have a, a more accurate view of uh, of this uh, of these societies, uh, which are different, uh, but also very similar. Uh, some societies are plantation societies or, or slave societies, and other societies you have other units of productions. You have haciendas, uh, uh, you have atos, uh, you have uh, or where uh, uh, societies with slaves, and uh, but they all share shared uh, this uh, particularity, which is uh, they were highly stratified, and they all shared that there were uh, mixed race individuals in the middle between blacks and, uh, and whites, and uh, uh, well, uh, and, and, and in the mainland, of course, all the mixtures with, uh, with the autochthonous populations.
2: Yes, this is, again, I, I want to highlight the fact that this is a, a huge contribution in drawing these comparisons, right? Because we really need uh, to know more about the connections between these different, um, let's say, empires and the societies and the historical processes that were unleashed in this uh, age of revolution in each, but also in connection to each other. And so um, you talk about in your work um, the very high, levels of popular participation you I, I was reading um, somewhere you were saying that they were not seen anywhere at the level that they that we find them for example in Caracas mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and you do associate this with the Caribbeanness of Venezuela and Caracas So how do you compare once you enter into the world of the Spanish mainland how do you compare Caracas to other places mm-hmm. uh, which are also I, I believe part of your study these new, Abolitionist republics like Chile or Peru. How how are you doing that, or what what can you tell us about that?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, l- there they were differences, even though they were uh, um, Spanish colonial societies. So, were there were the their structures were were different. Uh, in the case of the uh, the Spanish mainland, uh, the, uh, they that was a place where you find the the perhaps uh, the higher uh, proportion of, uh, of free colors of all the colonies in the Americas. So this had a huge impact in political ideas. And this is uh, why you see that once the, the after the outbreak of the, of the revolutions uh, in, the, in the late 1790s uh, uh, that they are politically activated uh, they are politically activated, and and they are not just regarding what's going on. They are political actors, and then they even join the uh, the congresses and uh, and the uh, and the uh, and the cabildos and the uh, and even uh, uh, constituent assemblies, as in the case of uh, of Cartagena. Uh, and uh, we are starting to find similar patterns elsewhere. Uh, for instance, in uh, in Acapulco, uh, but this is, uh, I believe that it has a lot to do with the, with the connections. Uh, for instance, the, the cases of these uh, port cities, which are which were very much connected to other regions in in the Caribbean and the Atlantic world, uh, receive a lot more information and the information circulated and individuals circulated, and there is no other region more exposed in the mainland than uh, the coast of, of today's Venezuela, Venezuela and Caracas. So my interest in my interest in that is that uh, as you have as you, as in the historiography you f- uh, or the works available, you f- uh, I found that there were uh, members of the mulatto elite in in Saint Domingue and other uh, French islands and also then in Cartagena that were acting politically for their rights in order to become citizens. Uh, And I thought, why not in Caracas, uh, considering that it has this huge uh, uh, free color population and considering also that it has uh, had a very wealthy uh, uh, mulatto elite or pardo elites uh, 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 there as well. well.
2: So I want to ask you also something about uh, chronology and what will be the the impact of your work in terms of thinking about early anti-slavery sentiments um, in the Atlantic world when you actually put your focus both on the Spanish and Spanish-American cases. What what will this uh, do to the debate about uh, Atlantic abolition Mm. and anti-slavery?
0: Yes. Uh, Yeah, the... uh the history of abolitionism, of abolitionism normally studies uh, the processes of abolition of slavery, slave trade, and gradual abolition from a Northern Atlantic perspective. Uh, this is to say, uh, from the uh, considering that in the North there were mostly uh, movements uh, that became active and began. Uh, 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 claiming the rights of uh, the abolition of slavery and uh, and so forth but uh, these emerged in the mid 18th century these groups and uh, they it's been explained as uh, as part of a sort of uh, religious awakening and then also the the impact of the uh, the American Revolution uh, the enlightened ideas but when you look at the what's going on in, in the Spanish Atlantic you realize that there have been uh, several uh, Priests and monks uh, claiming precisely the same. Uh, ever since uh, Bartolomé de las Casas regretted his proposal in the sixteenth century to to uh, uh, to uh, change the, the the Indians for the for the sub-Saharan uh, blacks as, as slaves, uh, you find it in Cartagena in the in the seventeenth century. So you find it again in in, in Cuba, Venezuela in the late seventeenth uh, and early eighteenth uh, century. So. the the sensibility vis-a-vis these causes was already there. Of course, these were isolated figures, but they were there already and has little to do with this Northern Atlantic and very British uh, uh, and uh, uh, Anglo-American religious uh, awakening. On the other hand, uh, uh, you have also the the impact of the enlightened and revolutionary ideas, which had uh, a huge impact in... In the cause uh, or in the struggles for granting uh, citizenship to to slaves, but as parts of a larger political agenda, just like in France, you had the what they call the the affaire des mulâtres, which is uh, all the uh, the struggles in favor of granting citizenship or, or with. Uh, the mulatos of the Antilles. the same people who was doing that uh, were members of the Societe des amis de Noir, and before that, they were struggling for abolition slave trade, and even slavery itself. So in, in, uh, there were no Indians, or very little Indians in the, in the French colonies, and so that could explain why they were not struggling, for uh, fighting for that as well. Uh, but in Spanish America and, uh, and, and in Spain, uh, the Spanish liberals and the and the Spanish American revolutionaries, uh, they they included the, the indians because there were lots of of Amerindians in in uh, in the in the americas so the uh, the cause of slavery was or uh, anti-slavery was kind of uh entwined with other causes which were much largely uh, part of their struggles against the colonial ancien regime mm
2: mm-hmm. So this is again the point where the two themes of revolution and abolitionism intersect, mm-hmm. very importantly in your in your research. So I want to follow up uh, just briefly on this question of the uh, the engagement with the historiography on abolition uh, in the Northern Atlantic which, uh, to put it very simply, has sort of oscillated between explanations that are either economic, so the the end of slavery as an economic problem, or as an ideological problem. And again, this is just a simplification. But I wanted to ask you uh, if you find that this is a debate that has similar contours in the context of the Spanish and Spanish-American worlds, or do you think that these two, uh, let's say, positions or extremes are not relevant in that in that case.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, one of well, I haven't yet in my research found uh, what you may call or what could be called uh, uh, a pro-slavery thought. I mean, mm-hmm. you have you find uh, the classical reference that justifies slavery uh, in some cases, especially regarding Cuba um, in the courts of Cadiz and later on during the the gloriosa revolution in the in the in the uh eighteen seventies in in spanish america uh, almost everywhere you find that the, you, you 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 know that the the main obstacle to uh approving the bills uh the abolitionist bills uh, uh slave trade uh, uh free womb la laws uh on immediate abolition or gradual abolition uh, is the, uh, the in, um, compensation to slave owners. There is always uh, that problem. You'll find it almost everywhere. But uh, at the same time, they are opposing that. They are not opposing the Republican system. For instance, in the in the eighteen fifties, uh, when uh, Ramon Castillo uh, abolished slavery during one, a military campaign uh, during a civil war, uh, there was a, a group of uh, of individuals who congratulated him in, in very republican terms. But they also proposed, what, "What what are we going to do now? We need to <laughs> we need to 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 bring in Chinese." So uh, it's uh, I think that uh, uh, we we will have to 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 dip further on that, but, uh, uh, the, the main problem was the problem of, uh, of compensation, uh, mm-hmm. uh, throughout Spanish America. Yeah.
2: So Alejandro, can you tell us, uh, some of, uh, the research aspects of this project? What are the types of sources that you have been using and how do you combine them? Uh, where are you going with the, with the research aspect methodologically?
0: Okay. Uh, the, I'm using. Uh, mm, I'm starting with uh, with imprints, periodicals, uh, and also parliamentary debates, uh, uh, which are very rich sources in, in order to uh, you know uh, identify those who are in favor or against measures regarding regarding slavery, uh, which normally are also the ones that are publishing either in favor or or against, and that this uh, preliminary stage i'm using uh, a lot of uh, secondary sources i mean works published 50 40 uh, 30 year, more 30 years ago in uh, in uh, in spanish america on yes, in spanish in S- Hispanic america and uh, because uh, each country had many articles and books on the abolition of slavery and uh, but they have been written only from a local perspective trying to uh, uh, establish a sort of national narrative or as part of a national narrative uh, but they are uh, I- in those articles by doing this they 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 identify the actors I'm interested in it's like uh, a window to, or a door to to enter into my subject. So, and then on the second stage, I can then uh, uh, begin looking at uh, other sorts of sources. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, private correspondence, personal papers, uh, other sorts of of imprints. Uh, because uh, I uh, uh, I'm trying one of the w- one important objective of my research is to try to uh, find in these sources references to uh, debates elsewhere to see, for instance, if in Bolivia uh, in the 1830s uh, there is a reference, for instance, to what is going on in Britain, to Wilberforce or, or to garrison in the States later on. Uh, or if not, them uh, uh, between the Spanish-American or w- with Spaniards, uh, if they are reference to what Bolivar did, if they are reference to what Hidalgo did, and uh, how they, they uh, if they are there are connections between them, and how they appropriate these uh, the abolitionist ideas or the uh, or the all the uh, republican ideas or the or the revolutionary ideas that uh, at some uh, at some moment were used in favor or against the the uh, the abolition of slavery or the the for granting or denying rights to other sweltering sectors
2: wow so uh, have you been traveling to all of these places or do you find some of your sources in france
0: yeah mostly uh as i say, i'm i'm, a, I'm an uh and an Preliminary stages of research. So mm-hmm. yes, I am uh, consulting many materials uh, that are available in France at the, the different libraries there, and uh, and then now here, uh, thanks to the uh, Jules Lerman Center's uh, fellowship, here at, uh, at jail and uh, and then uh, I will have to uh, to go in situ to uh, to consult materials, uh, and uh, and eventually I will have to select. Uh, Mm, some cases uh, mm-hmm. prioritize some cases. Uh, for instance, I know for sure that now I will need to go to 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 Guatemala and to and to and to Chile because they were the the the, the very f- the two uh, the first two countries that abolished sla- slavery. I have found many materials here, but I will need to go there in order to see if I can delve further into the uh, the uh, the ideas of those individuals that make those abolitions uh, possible.
2: Wow, this is really, truly exciting, and I want to thank you very much, Alejandro, on behalf of the Gilder Lerman Center. It has been a real pleasure having you here at Yale, and we wish you the best with your ongoing work. Before we leave, can you give our listeners some ideas of books or other resources that they can turn to if they want to learn more about uh, these topics?
0: Well, there is, uh, the, the, uh, the, these topics are, there's a, a, a large a scholarly production on the Spanish-American revolutions, but uh, uh, there, is a, uh, there are a lot of, uh, of books, of articles, of chapters, uh, especially in, in Spanish-American Spanish because, you know, there, is a, there has been, in the last two decades, a sort of boom, a, a, a stereographical boom of uh, Latin American historians trying to identify uh, those members of the social te- sector that participated in the Spanish-American revolutions. So that will be a a good starting point to see uh, uh, what's been published in in Argentina, what's been published in Chile, what's been published in Colombia, what's been published elsewhere. Uh, And regarding the abolition of slavery, well, the most literature available is on the abolition in Spain. Regarding uh, and, and mm-hmm. regarding the abolition, the, the slavery in Cuba and the slavery in, uh, uh, in Puerto Rico, uh, I believe that the manuals such as that of uh, of uh, our missing missing colleague uh, Schmidt right Water will be a good option, a good starting mm-hmm. point, and then also the work of uh, the overthrow of colonial slavery mm-hmm. of uh, of uh, Rowan Blackburn, mm-hmm. and uh, and even if it's old, uh, there is a book published in Argentina that also be uh, a good starting point uh, published uh, by uh, well, the author is Ebe Clemente the, the the evolution of slavery in spanish america la evolucion de la esclavitud in america hispana which and he studies each case separately I, again it's old but uh, it foundational be, yeah it will be it will be it will be interesting to, to 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 take a look at that too
2: excellent information about These topics will definitely be included on the GLC website. And again, I want to thank you very much, Alejandro, for speaking with us.
1: Thank you, Marcela. Thank you again to the Gilda Lehrman Center. Slavery and its Legacies is brought to you by the Gilda Lehrman Center for the Study of Slavery, Resistance, and Abolition a part of the Whitney and Betty McMillan Center for International and Area Studies at Yale University. Production support is provided by the Yale Broadcast Center. For more information about the center, its activities, and this podcast series, visit glc.yale.edu.